Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Good day. Uh, my name is Doug Ramshaw. I'm the president of Minera Alamos, a uh, gold producer in Mexico with a number of gold development assets that we're planning to bring on stream over the next couple of years. Our first mine should be generating net cash flow by year end. Um, and we're looking forward to speaking with Matt today about our progress. Doug, welcome back. Haven't seen you since March. It's been far, far too long. But I, I, do you know what? I do get to see you because um, you're, you're a member of the the old club there. In fact, I'm not like all of that, am I? You're, you're a percent member roam, roaming around our little platform. Um, so I do get to speak to you now and again. But we haven't spoken about your company for a while. Why is that? Why are you being so quiet? Yeah, I should have probably given you a shout. Uh, if we haven't spoken in March, uh, we successfully completed uh, the construction of our first mine. And... Uh, May uh, of this year, we we got to move to that fun part of uh, of the business where we we get to blow shit up. Uh, we had our first blast in uh, at the end of May, and uh, and are now in a, basically a six month ramp up process of mining operations at the Santana Gold Mine. So uh, a really exciting time for for us. Um, right. Okay. So you, okay. So you're now you're now in production. You, sorry, you 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 started the process. When do you start? When do we start to see net cash from you as a business? Because if I remember, ideally you would have liked to have been up and running back in January. I suspect COVID has slowed things down a little bit. So talk to me about net cash position. Yeah. So I mean, I always ensured the company was never on fumes, uh, and so even today, going into into start of mining operations, we've got no debt and probably sixteen million dollars in working capital. Uh, COVID did delay us. Um, our pre-COVID guidance for this build was about 10 million Canadian. We probably came in closer to 10 million US. Um, not a big cost overrun given we were building a mine during the middle of a pandemic. But that time meant that instead of starting up operations probably January of this year, we were starting operations up middle of the year, which also coincides with rainy season. And um, Is that good? Surely it's, that's more problems, isn't it? You, my biggest concern four or five months ago was that we weren't going to have enough water. Oh, was I wrong? Rainy season came, uh, came and it was probably a 20-year rainy season. Um, and the problem at the beginning of a heat leach, when you have a, a starter heat leach pad that's probably 25 football fields in size, 100,000 square meters of pad, that doesn't have material on it, it's the world's giant biggest slip and slide. And it, it's designed to take all fluids to one choke point and then into the ponds. So when you get 40, 50 mil of rain in an hour hitting that, the, the volume of water is astonishing. So it's not, it's not perfect, but as I said to, to Darren down there who was dealing with it firsthand, the site stood up remarkably well. So actually, it was a really, really good test of our site. We certainly don't have water issues moving forward now, which are an important part of a heap leach process. So um, whilst it was easier for me in my office to not worry so much about the rain, Darren was uh, dealing with it firsthand. Rainy season's just about behind us now. Um, and uh, the aquifers have definitely been recharged. So, you know, all is good on that front. Okay, so ba so no problems with it, because it sounds like you know, once in 20 year rainfall is what I think what you're describing. Yeah. The, the site stood up to it. 
You'd built yeah. the site well. Okay, fine. So no, no problems coming down the line then. So can you get back to the question of net cash flow? When do you think this thing mm-hmm. is, is going to be showing us some net cash? Yeah, I, we've guided uh, in our recent financial statements, we expect uh, Santana to be kicking off net cash around year end. Okay. Um, and and that, that's kind of in line with Darren's rule of thumb, which is, you know, it can be about six months before you kind of see that positive cash flow coming off an operation. And it's why it's really important to make sure that you do have a, a solid balance sheet heading into operations, because there is this lag between mining, leaching, the gold being recovered, you know, and, and operations getting to that point. Okay, so you've got 15, 16 million bucks of cash today, end of year, you, you, you're producing cash out of Santana. It's a small project. You were originally looking, and we've talked about this a few times, and people should look at the links below to sort of, you know, get the back history and the business plan and strategies and all that sort of stuff. But you were looking at Fortuna uh, as the next big thing, but along comes Sara Del Oro. You're very much focused on that, that it seems. Where are we with permitting? I think I've said before, I, what I, one of the reasons I like Mexico is the permitting environment, because they force you, A, to start with social license. Um, so we're close on permitting, but that's that's only been delayed by, the, by virtue of we're just wrapping up all the surface rights agreements we want down there. Um, and, and once those surface rights, we've got 98% of them done. Actually, we had 98% done several months ago. We just wanted to try to tidy up everything that we wanted land-wise. Um, and then we should have permits in. And all being well, permits should be back, you know, maybe early Q3 next year and we can start construction pretty quickly. It's not been a bad thing for it just to be a little delayed because I think it gives us at least two quarters of Santana spitting off cash that will either support the Cerro Dororo operations, or at least if you're going to debt, we're not averse to debt, we just didn't want to start with debt, take debt on to build Cerro Dororo, you know, Santana operating efficiently is going to give the lenders a lot of comfort on, on that lending. So, um, but Cerro Dororo is, is going to be a big mine. And it's one of the reasons it's pushed for tuna back a little. It's another simple open pit heat bleach. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I kind of hope we will have an external ec- economic study so I can talk a little bit more uh, fully about it. Uh, Santana, we obviously did everything on internal studies, but in many ways, it's going to be very easy to point to Santana and say, look, this is a cookie cutter heat bleach, contract mining, just like Santana, which we executed on well, um, I think we'll start getting a lot of forward value for Cerro de Oro just off the back of this, this successful startup of Santana. Well, you guys did quite well in 2020. You had a real run-up in terms of the, the share price and you know market cap, et cetera. Um, a lot of journalists coming into the gold space. Um, have you found yourself having to deal with dissatisfied shareholders who don't quite understand you know, a, a open pit heat leach when they you know, when they're looking at all these big, wonderful headlines of you know twenty gram per ton type and intercepts. I mean, is is that a kind of the circle of life as far as you know mining CEO is concerned? You have to re-educate all the time. I honestly, I, I'm not just saying this. We have amazing shareholders. I've only ever had one piece of hate mail, and I've got friends of mine who run companies that say I get three or four a week. Like we have a patient um, shareholder base that gets it, that trusts us. And, and we are very lucky for that. So, 
the treadmill we want to get off is the constant financing treadmill that so many of those companies have to do, which is why they chase after glamour shots uh, in terms of drill holes to keep that cycle going. You know, our, our business model is different. I mean, you know, 0.8 of a gram open pit heat leach is a fantastic open pit heat leach. And that seems to be, you know, these early benches like, like our news of uh, this week, um, you know, the grade is, is exceptional for, for open pit heat leach, but does it carry the same glossiness of a, a you know, 400 gram per ton hit over half a meter, you know? Well, I think one, one actually builds a stock play a lot more often than not. And, and an open pit heat leach has been the foundation of some of the world's greatest mining companies. So it might not seem glamorous from a grade point of view, but we're, we're a business and we're not a, just a stock. We're actually doing something which isn't done that much, that much in our sector, which is building mines. Right. So I think, you know, for, for the beginners, go look at something like Equinox. They're doing another 0.4 or, or possibly less. Um, so it's fine. But what does 0.86 compared to what your, your numbers show, 0.76, do for you in terms of the economics as a percentage? It's a nice increase, but what's that mean on the ground in terms of the operation? How do you deal with that? Was it just the same? I mean, it, it's it's showing. Um, you know, we'll have fuller guidance next year on costs and everything. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some reconciliation that's negative reconciliation. The way I look at it is, if you're starting out with some positive reconciliation, you're kind of playing with house money a little. When it comes to odd benches, which are a little lower grade, um, it's not indicative of what we're we're not expecting a ten percent increase on the grade of the whole deposit. It's certainly nice when you can add more ounces onto the pad. That bench, a modest one at the start of of, of developing the pit, was um, lower strip. There was more ore tons than we were forecasting um, at a higher grade. So there was actually close to. 50% more gold. It's still from a small, small kind of number in the grand scheme of things. But right now, and speaking to the analysts, the one key thing they're looking for over the next five, five months is gold inventory building up on the pad. So anytime that you can have a, a, a bench of 60 odd thousand tons that should have yielded 1,200 ounces of gold and yielded closer to 1,800 ounces of gold. I'm happy because I know I'm putting more, more ounces on the pad. We're happy with the leach kinetics from the test mining. We'll prove on this bigger scale that those leach kinetics are valid. Um, we know that 80% of that gold is going to be recovered and sold by the company. And so um, we have a very efficient cost structure in Mexico. Over two-thirds of our costs are in pesos. Uh, our mining rates are ridiculously low. Um, and so, yeah, these are going to be highly profitable ounces. Okay, so and what's the expectation from the brokers? I know you talk to them all the time and they're asking, constantly asking you what's going to happen, but I'm looking at 280 million market cap. Do you th where do you need to get to for them, for yourself, or, you know, for, for your investors in terms of backfilling some of that valuation? Because, you, you know, you had a meteoric rise last year, you know, and you've, you've kept it, let's, let's say things have been moving sideways you know, this this year, because it's been a funny old year for gold. Um, how much more backfilling do you think you've got to do in terms of showing ounces on the pad before you can actually start moving forward? Or do you think that 
actually you don't need to do that? I mean, we always need to demonstrate successful execution. So we need to do that. I don't necessarily think we need to do it to back in value. Uh, I'm actually comfortable that I, I always want to make sure that we're doing something as a company, which means if someone choose the next buyer that wants to buy some stock off the offer or sit on the bid, there's money left. There's, we've left value on the table for them. Um, I'm far happier going into this ramp up phase with a little bit of air out of our stock alongside the whole market. I think we've held up actually very well than everyone anticipating everything you know that's coming and the stocks being being ahead of itself and we've we've seen that with other gold producers i don't want to pick on one but there was one in canada that got to a billion dollar market cap last year um and is over halved in value on problems with the startup it looks like they're resolving those now but i don't want to see our shareholders take a 50 percent haircut i'd rather there be 50 percent left on the table and most analysts have us in a dollar ten to dollar thirty range for their target price. Looking out, so I think um, you know it's less about do we need to back in value. It's more about there are a lot of eyes on our stock, watching for a successful startup and execution on our part. And I'm comfortable with our operating team that have done this time and time before that we will demonstrate that. And then I think that value will be will be released. Uh, next year should be, I think, the year where we see more institutional buying come into the stock. But we've even seen that since since uh, last year's Denver Gold Show. You know, we met an institution there that subsequently went out and just bought 3% of our stock in the open market. They continue to buy. Invesco have been buying almost every month since. So we're, we're doing something right for them and they have comfort. There are other institutions that probably are going to sit, wait for the startup, even after the startup, maybe watch for a couple of quarters of the financials that everything's tickety-boo, you know, but we want to be a new go-to name in the gold producer space, and I think we can be that. So it's, it's, you're talking about low technical risk, and I can't help but come back to when, when I mentioned some of these high-grade headline-type numbers, you, you did look, look to the heavens a little bit. You know what I'm talking about, and you've just referenced one there. Um, do you think those sorts of stories don't help the gold sector? The fact that this very aggressive marketing to generalist investors is distracting? Or do you think that it's just part of mining, there will be a shakeout and those who have will survive and those who don't won't? The best year for us, you know, was to, for actually companies like us, the ones where in the second half of 2019, you saw capital that was far more concentrated into the better names. And we were one of those names that benefited from it. As the market opened up a little bit, there's a lot more noise out there. A lot of projects are the retreads, a lot of projects which are stock plays, not mining plays. And it does bother me. Um, I... There's lots wrong with our sector. I commented about a company yesterday. I'm a shareholder of them. I made good money off it. I've been sitting on the last bit of my holding thinking, should I sell this out? Now I am going to because I looked the CEO. It was a 40 million market cap company. 45, takes 360 grand a year 
but he's also going to be the CEO of a new company taking 180 grand a year. As an investor, you'd be des- you'd be happy if you make 100,000 in your investments over the year. Maybe he doesn't even care if his options are going to be worth anything. So long as he raises enough money to get that half million dollars a year, where's the risk to him? You know, so so I there's a lot wrong with our sector. What we're trying to do at Monero, what I'm hopefully can look back and say this this was my magnum opus in in my career is to try to do everything right that you know and correct what i think is wrong in the business by doing it right within monero and instead of having my little soapbox sessions i just point to what we do as a company um because i think for too long this sector has not benefited well because we've had too little capital spread around too thinly into the wrong kinds of companies i couldn't agree more well look i'm I'm delighted that you're you're Back on the show, I'm glad that you're talking. Is there how much more communication will there be? Are we going to see in six months? Or are we going to see you on a more regular basis? Oh, I hope more regular. I, I'm 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 a harsh critic of myself, um, and and so if I was to scorecard scorecard myself, I needed to provide more news to our shareholders and to potential shareholders in the first half of the year. Um, there were a lot of reasons why that was not the case. However, you know, uh, there's no point scorecarding yourself if you're not looking at ways to improve upon that. So I think as a company, we will have a much more consistent flow of news. Um, and I, I hope that that means that I'm, I'm back on more regularly with you, Matt. It's good to see you today. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to CruxCast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.